Hello and welcome to the Deep Overstock Fiction Podcast. This is a special book club series where we're looking at Coleman Stevenson's Light Sleeper. This is a two-year anniversary for publishing the book, and we are diving deep into a few of the poems for Light Sleeper. I have here with me today our poetry editors, Nick and Tim. They are poetry our poetry editors, longtime friends of Deep Overstock, and they publish in many of the issues. Nicholas Yandel is a composer, musician, and the author of Restless Wonder and Lost Drinks of Las Vegas. Timothy Arliss O'Brien is a composer, musician, and the editor of the Small Press Poetry Podcast and publisher, The Poet Heroic. He is also the author of The Art of Learning to Fly, Dear God, I'm a Faggot, and Happy LGBTQ Wrath Month. Tim and Nick, welcome to the show. Very nice to see you guys. Thank you for having me. Nice to be back. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Thanks so much. It's It's a pleasure to be here. Today we are looking at two of the poems in Light Sleeper. The first is The Taxidermist, and the second is Ask Me. Tim, what do you think of these poems in what's your general impression of Coleman's writing and The Taxidermist and Ask Me? I really like Coleman's imagery, and it has a way of usurping the regular imagery that we see in like modern poetry, and it has somewhat of like an antiquated feel, but that feels forward thinking. So that always stands out to me. Coleman's writing often takes the reader to surprising places. There's a certain amount of density to it, which sometimes is, yeah, which is also comes to part of the unexpected nature to it. A lot of, a lot of different sort of themes and different ideas kind of immersed in like a small two page poem. And so there's a lot to kind of unpack, I feel like with the poems. And so it's definitely, yeah, it's, it's definitely got a certain density to it. Meatiness, meaty, meaty poetry. So we're looking at two two in particular today, you know, The Taxidermist and Ask Me. Why did you guys choose these? What, how do you think they work together in this collection, Light Sleeper? Tim, how do you think they work together? One of the things I really like about Light Sleeper is it's not story-driven heavy. There are poems that are very narrative-based, but there's also poetry that kind of just washes over you with word choices and with the imagery. And I think these two poems give really good examples of that. They're definitely a little, these these two are kind of contrasting, I think, in some ways. This first one is kind of, it's a very, like, I think it's a very heavy, contemplative, almost like a philosophical poem in terms of this, the taxidermist one. Especially kind of how this, the ending part of it, where it's talking about the pigeon, the animatronic pigeon's lack of a past that makes him perfect, that whole thing. That's sort of a philosophical quandary. I think it, it goes off onto this thing. Whereas the Ask Me, I think, is kind of one that's a lot more almost, almost has a bit of a romantic feel to it. So I liked the the two of them together because they have a contrast to them, showing sort of the wide breadth of sort of stylistic qualities that Coleman uses. So that's why I sort of like reading these together. They're not particularly that related. They just have, they they have a nice contrast and it sort of shows a wide range. So my thought anyway. So they both do feature birds in them. So that's that's true. I think it's similar. Yeah. One of them animatronic. Let's um one of them animatronic. An animatronic pigeon. Let's listen to these two poems and we'll come back and as we listen, we can look for the, the details that wash over us and some of those philosophical quandaries. So here is 
The Taxidermist by Coleman Stevenson. The Taxidermist. Pearl ash, arsenical soap, corrosive sublimate. Do you know how to get blood out of feathers? Press the eyes in, but do not break them. Break the little bones between the orbits and the mouth. Hoard what you think you lack as a body retains water. Be careful how you reform the shell once the fat is scraped away. It can be either perched or poised for flight, but only one, then that forever. Here in the cracked house, people come and go, more or less like anywhere else, but when something breaks, it is often in slow motion. We rewind, the chips and slivers recollecting, pulling into place to make, of all things, a teacup and almost exactly the same one as before. We are pleasantly surprised when the amber wave sucks up into the shape of hot tea. We also know the opposite is true. A film of decomposition sped forward appears to reanimate a dead thing. The body of the little fox, frantic with ants, the saprobic swell of hydrogen and nitrogen that nods the head and wags the tail again. This is a semi-permanent method that does not require glue or wire. But consider also a third option. It is the animatronic pigeon's lack of a past that makes him perfect. With only the pure drive to move as intended and having nothing he knows of to lose, he whistles open his wings, mechanizes into the rafters. Such a beautiful sound from under the mandible. The animatronic pigeon is chewing his ambition into a whir and buzz, singing for his supper of nuts and bolts. Nick Tim, what do you think about these poems? We can jump in more in depth now. I'm really favoritism towards pigeons and birds because I spent a whole time period writing and editing poetry about it for my anthology, The Art of Learning to Fly. So, of course, both of these poems stood out to me. But especially the taxidermist in a way that we see nature and technology or kind of the the coldness of man-made things clash together and create this atmosphere that usurps life. Again, we get that in the name with the taxidermist. So I, I like sort of how this, uh, I know the, the name sort of gives away this. But I sort of like how it starts out as like it's it starts out as sort of like this is like a serial killer thing. It really sounds like it. It gives it this this thing. You got like the list at the beginning and then you do you know how to get blood out of feathers? It's this like very dark visceral imagery. This is like it definitely like th- this the whole list. This reminds me very much of like a horror novel at first where it starts into this whole thing. You got the list of the things, the arsenical soap arsenic obviously so it's got this like dark imagery of this sort of stuff and then how to get blood out of feathers pressing eyes eyes. yeah press like it's it it, breaking the little bones like this this imagery is dark this is like digging in right away with this and but then it's like in because you do know this is this is taxidermy it's supposed to it's not you know immediately taken in but like i love how that pulls you in with that kind of stuff and just the little list in the beginning. What a great way to sort of start and pull 
and pull the reader in. Yeah, I mean, it's so so visceral once the fat is scraped away, and then it's just like you you have that image there that the chips and slivers and I mean, it's just all this all this kind of stuff, and then it goes into the more philosophical ending part of it. So you have that visceral imagery of what a taxidermist does poetically, and then bringing it into reanimating that dead thing, and then moving more, even more into this talk about the animatronic, and then the philosophical edge, the animatronic pigeon's lack of a past that makes him perfect, this whole thing. I like this sort of deconstruction of both of these aspects, and then blending them together just like mixing those and kind of in the middle and that's kind of why it's yeah that's what attracted me very much about this poem i think so also for our listeners at home the taxidermist is the eighth poem in the book and up until this point in the book we've had a lot of almost like memory driven poetry about childhood or about things that coleman reminisces on and this is the first poem where we really stop and we get some action based like nick says it's almost like this serial killer feel this very visceral dark imagery and i think it's it's a really important poem because you know coleman has given us the voice in the first seven poems and then here has gone in and said okay let me show you my writing and what I really want to tell you. And this kind of dichotomy between life and death, between nature and, I guess, anti-nature or like human creation, which would be like something taxidermied or like the animatronic pigeon. Really, I think in context of, of reading the first seven poems and then getting this one really just stops you in your tracks and haunts you and makes you think. Really just like narrative line saprobic swell of hydrogen and nitrogen and nods the head and wags the tail again the semi-permanent method that does not require glue or wire it's just talking about this like this whole process in such an interesting just it's really digging into the process and and then in just a way that a poet does this sort of poetic way in terms of what is a like kind of would be sort of a dry and mechanical process but making it poetic and normal and that's what it's it's very it's very enlightening i think just and also just sort of looking at this sort of process of death in the the sort of the this post this sort of post death thing here of the animal of the creatures and just in a very different light going on with that the idea of post life there's an urgency and i think it connects to us because we have an urgency to live because we all know death is coming for us. But then we see on the on the first page in the first paragraph, be careful how you reform the shell once the fat is scraped away. It can be either perched or poised for flight, but only one, then that forever. So instead of the urgency to live, we're now having an urgency for death, in death, and an urgency to keep death preserved which is something that is unnatural. And yeah, that's really, really something beautiful that you don't muse on very often. Yeah, it's almost, it's almost sort of musing on sort of this idea of, yeah, the permanence, this sort of legacy of what this is left with. Because it's this pose, this, this final pose. This is, this is the final, this is the final, the final form 
that this creature takes and it's putting that out there. And that's, yeah, I mean, that's where, that's where it's like, it digs into the philosophical elements so well into us. It starts out, you know, this visceral horror imagery and then just takes you into sci-fi philosophy and animatronic, all this good stuff, which is wonderful. (laughs) All that good stuff. Yeah. All that good stuff, the nuts and bolts of the, yeah, all that good stuff there. So, that's the animatronic so. pigeon singing for its nuts and bolts. Suffer. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great, that's such a, that's such a great line with that. That's, and yeah, and such a great kind of ending image with that, just sort of leaving, leaving it off there. These, yeah, that's the anthropomorphizing. Where they like do that has there's a lot of sort of that because it's looking at I mean once this is you know once it's dead that's what we're doing we're giving these dead things human characteristics we're looking at it in its own way it's not so much the living thing anymore it's whatever we attach to it and sort of that human that's yeah yeah that sort of whatever whatever humans do to things in this way and you know just like just like we're analyzing it right now this sort of meta thing where something special where there's little snippets of life within the poem in the second paragraph here in the cracked house people come and go and then in the third paragraph it's more of an extension of the first the second paragraph on the second page the body of the little fox frantic with ants so even in this death we we see life happening and then in the last paragraph the the ant animatronic pigeon it whirs and buzzes which is you know still life but man-made life yeah it's almost it's almost like a frankensteinish reference sort of too at the end it sort of brings in that sort of idea of this of bringing it sort of bringing it back to life but in a mechanical sort of way and it's sort of definitely some references i can definitely see that sort of that sort of influence referencing in there so some some good Mary Shelley in there. Do you think that's um, thanks, Coleman? Melan- yeah, thanks, Coleman. <laughs> Do you think that's melancholic, oh, or is it because we've we've said a couple things that I think the poem could be doing? It is like you said, Tim. It is amusing on death, capturing death, or at least preserving the moment of death. Then we have it flying almost like a real bird again. But do you think it's melancholy here? Like, is it a sad thing that's happening that it's only imitating life? I think that a reader could find either. They could find what they're looking for. If they're wanting to take this as a poem to focus on their own pre-grief of their own death, it's there. But also, especially creatives like ourselves, if they want to think about how to take what they've created, whether it's books or art or music or whatever, and how it will exist after they're gone, that's also there. So it is a poem about legacy and about loss at the same time. I think it very much leaves it up to the thing because I didn't immediately, I, I wouldn't say that I immediately got a melancholy colic sense of it. I just got more of like a, it's more of like a sense of analytical wonder, more or less, like looking at this thing in a very different and strange way. And then just like taking off from there with that, you get the sense of that sort of, that sort of taking flight at the end, sort of like it, these, it's this idea of death, but it's also this idea, these things sort of have this afterlife and they sort of live on in these other ways because of what people attach to it 
or what they, you know, those that see it or those that interact with it, all of these things interacting with it, the ants interacting with the fox, this sort of thing of this like post, yeah, this like post life, this or this post death life that is happening sort of in that. And I think, but I could see a melancholic thing because if, especially if, you know, it would just depend on, you know, it just that you could definitely have that perspective. And I think it's left open for that. So. I think more than melancholy, there's a sense of haunting, especially in the line, hoard what you think you lack. I think that line really stands out. And as far as taxidermy is concerned, I I don't know how it it plays into taxidermy. And that might be my own lack of knowledge, but it, that line has such a mystery to it. It's like, are we, are we hoarding the dead creatures like the fox and the pigeon that have been taxidermied because we lack the ability to live on in a form after death so it's a very interesting it's that line really out of the whole poem just really sticks with me i think it's the, the only word in the poem that is just a one word sentence it's horde period what do you think you lack yeah as the body retains water We are going to pause here and continue this conversation in the next episode as we listen to and discuss Ask Me from Coleman Stevenson's Light Sleeper. You've been listening to the Deep Overstock Fiction Podcast. You can join us as we read by buying your own copy of Light Sleeper on deepoverstock.com slash shop. Use the code LIGHTSLEEPER at checkout. That's Light Sleeper, one word with no space in between. Thank you for listening and see you next time.